1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Well, let me ask you, uh, who knows the song, All You Need Is Love? Yeah? Okay, we'll see if you're awake. Who sings All You Need Is Love? The Beatles. The Beatles. We're awake. We know the song, All You Need Is Love. Maybe you've heard the phrase, love conquers all, or, or love wins. What is it with humanity and love? You see, we all seem to want it. Most of us don't feel like we have enough of it. However, we all seem to have different ideas on what it actually is. This morning, in this passage, we're going to look at what the big deal with love is. We're going to see what are truly what love is, and we're going to see how it affects all areas of our lives in a really, really significant way. You see, the thing is is that that love in our world is portrayed as, as so many different things. For me, when I was uh, in year two, uh, I experienced love. I I knew love. Uh, Year two, I was about six or seven. It's your guys' year one. uh, And there was this girl in primary school. Now, I don't remember her name, but that's all right. You know, it was still love. And this thing used to happen in primary school. I don't know if it happens here, but as a classroom, if you were going to go somewhere in the school, the teacher would line you up in two lines, boys and girls. You'd hold hands and you'd walk through the school. So you didn't lose anyone. I'm serious, this happened. Every single time we did that, me and this girl would find each other, we'd make sure we were standing right beside each other, and we would hold hands. I know, it was beautiful. One day, she tragically told me that she was moving away because her dad has got a job somewhere. 
I told her I'd come with her. Uh, realistic, you know. This was love for me uh, at the age of six. But for us in movies, music, books, we get so many different uh, ideas on what love is. It's sort of seen as this kind of magical thing that we sort of stumble into. At worst, it's sort of fluffy and, and emo- this emotional thing. And at best, it's making kind of a, a commitment or, or maybe going the extra mile. But in this passage, we see that God idea, God's idea of love is actually really different from mine and definitely different from the world that we see around us. We begin in verse 8. Have a look. The one who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is where we start with God. God is love. Now, love must have a recipient for it to be love. It wouldn't be love otherwise. And so in and of himself, God is love. It's intrinsic to who he is. Because God is Trinity. You see, there are three persons in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and all three of them have perfect love for each other. There is perfect unity and harmony in the Trinity, and this is uh, how John can say that God is love. In and of himself, he is love. He is both the giver and the recipient of love. And in verse 9, John tells us how this love has been revealed to us. Have a look, verse 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Now, we we talk of of love languages. My my wife's is acts of service. So is God's. Mine is uh, words of affirmation. Well, God showed his love for us in sending his only son into the world. And so what John is saying here is that that perfect love that is in within the Trinity, well, God sent his son to extend that love to us. You see, God, he, he turned up. He, he intersected with history to come and offer us life in him. And as we read the Bible and we read the Old Testament, we see that that was his plan all along, that he would extend that love that is within himself to us. I I don't know about you, but that that blows my mind. That is amazing that such a love would be offered to us. Well, John doesn't just tell us how that love was revealed, but he tells us what it is, what this love is, that love is seen through death. Verse 10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is what true love is. God loved us when we didn't love him in return. You see, love doesn't start with us, but it started with God. And God defines love at the cross. Where he sent his son as a sacrifice for the people who hated him. Who didn't want anything to do with him. It's through the cross that we see that love is unconditional. It's not conditional on how likable you are, 
how good of a life you have lived. It's not even conditional on being loved in return, which is super countercultural for us, right? Now, Romans 5, 7 to 8 tells us that while we were pulling the middle finger to God, wanting nothing to do with him, to rule our own lives, he loved us. He loved you. He loved me. This is what love is. This is the love that is shown in Jesus. But you know, there's times for myself and, and maybe for you where I, I don't really feel God's love. Or, or, or maybe there's times when I, I don't really feel love towards God. And I find usually this happens when I've forgotten or uh, it's kind of, kind of gone dry to the fact that God loves me no matter how I feel or what I've done. You see, God has already shown his love to us, right? The word showed that it's in, in past tense. It's, it's already happened. And so when I'm feeling uh, distant maybe from God or, or not uh, feeling maybe loved by him, it's not that God is distant, but rather that my eyes have drifted from the act of love that has already happened. You see, my emotions and situations will make me feel up and down, but God never changes. So when I start to feel that uh, maybe the cross isn't enough, or I feel that it's kind of old news, or, or that I need God to show me more, I'm actually showing that I haven't understood the gospel. I haven't understood how sinful I am and how in need of God's love that I am. I don't understand the pain and the, the shame that Jesus went through. I don't understand God's wrath, that all of his wrath for the sins of the world were poured out onto Jesus. I don't realize that it wasn't the flogging, the whips, or, or the nails that were the most painful part of what Jesus went through on the cross, but rather it was facing God's wrath on the cross. It was God's wrath. It was his anger poured out on Christ, he took the penalty for my sin that I rightly deserve to take. It's when we understand what's involved at the cross, what Jesus actually achieved, that it becomes enough. So we need to look back because in the history of the world, there has never been a greater act of love than Jesus on the cross. That love has been shown to us already. When I was um, eight years old, uh, I woke up uh, from a dream that I'd had in the night, and I was uh, terrified of going to hell. I don't remember what I'd been dreaming, but I remember waking up cold sweat, terrified of going to hell. And, uh, I went and saw my parents, and, and we talked about it, and, and that night I decided to uh, give my life to Jesus, to put my trust in Jesus. Now, at that stage, I, I got who Jesus was. Uh, I understood that he had saved me, and I knew he was the king, but I still wasn't quite sure. You see, it seemed a bit too easy that I could just pray and ask for forgiveness, and I'd be saved. And so every day for about a week, uh, we would come home from school, and, and between the walk from uh, the van to the front door, I would re-pray this, this commitment uh, this asking of God to, to make me a Christian, it just got too easy. And so for a whole week from that walk, I would go, oh, well, just, just in case it hadn't actually happened, 
please, please make me a Christian. Uh, got to the point where my mum thought I was talking to myself. So we got to kind of talk about it and, and understand it. But you see, I thought it was too easy. I, I couldn't, how could I be sure that I was saved, that I had received this love that God had already shown in the past? And John here, uh, in the next part of this passage, he talks about this. You see, God doesn't just want us to be his children, but he wants us to know that we are his children. He wants us to know that the creator of the universe is our dad. And so John shows us three ways that we can know that we are God's children, that we have received his love. And the first way that we can be sure of our salvation is if we look like him. You see, if we are in God then we will look and act as God does. Because God has extended this amazing love to us, and we are his children, then we need to love his children as well. It's not loving God's children that makes us a child. Rather, we love because we have been loved. Have a look, verse 11 to 12. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. I don't, I don't know if you remember as a child your, your parents telling you you have to love your brother or sister. For, for me, um, if, if I was fighting with my siblings, mum would make us uh, hug each other and tell, tell the other person that we love them, which was, I, I love you. <laughs> as kids, we're told to love love uh, our siblings. But, but that's not what, what's happening here. We're not just being told to love one another. Uh, jump down a little bit, verse 19 to 20. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother he has seen cannot love the God he has not seen. And so we're not just told to love one another, rather we've been modeled it. We're called to have the same heart as our dad, because we have been so greatly loved, we love one another. And the only reason that we can love is because God loved us. You see, God's love is not satisfied in just saving us from hell, but compelling us to love as a result. I have a friend who married a woman who had kids from a previous marriage. And when he married his wife, he wasn't just committing to love her, but her children also. You see, the kids came as part of the package. And so he couldn't say to his wife, I I love you, but I'll I'll pass on the kids. No, he loved her children because he loved her. And in the same way, I love God. And if I love God, I I I cannot hate another Christian because we're family. We are all deserving of God's judgment. What makes us think that someone deserves any less of God's love than us? And so we cannot say that we love God and not love his children. This is the first reason that that our John gives us on how we can know that we are in God. If the love that we have received from God is reflected in our loving of others. The second way that John says that we can know and be sure of our salvation 
as if God's spirit is in us. Have a look, verse 13 to 14. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we've seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. God has given us his spirit. And the only reason that we can love one another is because God enables us to by his spirit. You cannot get any closer to God than God being in you. It's amazing. We are in God because the spirit is in us. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says that it's actually God's spirit that reveals who Jesus is. And so we know that we have the Spirit if we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. We can only see truly who Jesus is if His Spirit in us has revealed it to us. And so it kind of, the second point connects with the third. Uh, We're in God if we have His Spirit in us. And the third is, we're in God if we confess that Jesus is God. Verse 15. uh, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him. And he in God. God calls us to trust him. To make Jesus the king of our life. Salvation only comes through trusting in Jesus alone. It's a free gift. And so we can be sure of our salvation, of our adoption into God's family, if we believe that Jesus is the son of God and trust him with our lives. So if we take John seriously of what he says here on these three reasons why we can know that we are in God, then I, I think these reasons can kind of stir up some intense, emotion, uh, intense, intense responses. You see, these three reasons will either comfort you or they'll scare you. Because if you trust Jesus, then you know that when you see the Holy Spirit working in your life, pointing you to Jesus, convicting you of your sin, you know that God abides in you. But if you don't trust Jesus, you're still kind of unsure about the claims that he makes of being the son of God, then you might be feeling confused or scared or or maybe indifferent when you see these reasons. Someone once said the opposite of love isn't hate but indifference. It's true, you see, you know you've stopped loving someone when you stop caring. And so John finishes this passage, this section here, by addressing these these feelings, these fears that we may have. And he tells us that love casts out fear. Have a look, verse 17 to 18. In this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in the world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. God's love is made complete in us when we love others because loving others shows that we have fully understood God's love for us and that will result in confidence on the day of judgment when we stand before God. You see, Jesus, when he first came, came as Savior. But he will come again. And when he comes a second time, he will come as judge. You see, there will be a day when it will be too late to change your mind on who Jesus is. And so people will either have 
put their trust in him, that Jesus took the punishment for their sin, or they will take the punishment for their own sin. And the Bible says that that is eternal punishment. It's called hell. But God's love, when fully understood and when evident in our lives, takes that fear away. See, when we understand and see clearly the love that God has for us, we don't have to fear God's judgment. Rather, we delight in our assurance because love for God and fear of his punishment, they cannot coexist. They cannot coexist. And love has done its job when it squeezes the fear of hell out of us. It's kind of gross, but but fear of God is kind of like pus in a pimple. <laughs> God's love squeezes that out. It forces that out. It's a vivid image, but you'll remember it. It forces out. It's like oil and water. They don't mix love and fear. Romans 8.1, such a fantastic verse in the Bible. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Love casts out fear. But make no mistake, friends, the day of judgment, it is coming. And, and we will either have put our trust in Christ, that he absorbed God's wrath for us or not. And it is only knowing God's love that can give us confidence as we will stand before God. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know God's love? Is his love evident in your life as you love one another? Or do you only love people that are lovable? Or or those who love you in return? Love is not subjective. It's not this fluffy emotional thing. It's not a six-year-old in primary school making unrealistic um, commitments to a random girl in his class. It's unconditional. It's, It's sacrificial. And true love comes from God himself, from within the Trinity. Make sure that you leave this morning, that you leave church this morning confident in God's love by looking back and remembering the love that has been displayed for you on the cross. We simply have to accept it.